All right. Hey, folks. So today's video is going to be about recomposition. And this is going to be the first part of a three-parter to do with recomposition. Today's part is going to cover what is it, who is it for, and just some of my general thoughts around the process. Um, over the course of this series, I'm also going to look at training. I'm also going to look at diet and give you examples of clients I have who are currently doing this, success that they've had, challenges they've had, as well as my own general thoughts about how this is possible and why it might be preferable for some people. So before we go on that note, this is a very nuanced topic. This very much goes against the grain for what is commonly seen to be the best way to do things, that is bulk and cut cycles. And that's fine. Is this an alternative strategy for some people? Might not apply to you, that's okay, but at some point in the future, it might. So this is designed to be a guide for people who are interested in recomposition. And for the rest of you, it might not be something you're interested in, but perhaps something to put in the memory bank for later. Firstly, let's start with the definition. My definition of recomposition is to stay at the same body weight and simultaneously over a long period of time, grow muscle and drop body fat while keeping your body weight roughly the same. I think what should happen is you should stay within a fairly tightly controlled range. So maybe five pounds up and down, just as is the natural fluctuations of body weight over time, but basically staying about the same weight. I think you're going to have to eat enough to maintain your weight. Over time, I'm talking a year, two years down the line, you will have to increase your food intake, which is a result of more muscle mass and less body fat on your frame. We know that muscle mass is metabolically more active. That will give us a higher metabolism over time, assuming activity is the same. Now, in terms of how to understand how all this works, this is the way that I like to explain it. In a typical bulking cycle, there are two main anabolic stimulus. The training, obviously, is a stimulus. Your body responds to the training by adapting to it to get bigger and stronger. The second thing is the nutrition. So bulking in and of itself is an independent stimulus of muscle growth. The body weight you gain, if you gain five pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, some proportion of that will be muscle. It's just a natural function of gaining weight. So when you're bulking, the idea is that you have both stimulus working in your favor. You have the anabolic effect of being in a calorie surplus. And on top of that, you have the weight training effect. In general, this is why people say it's easier to gain muscle in a bulk. And I think that's true. Now, when you're cutting, the idea is that the anabolic effect of the food is lessened. It's not eliminated because you're still eating food, but it's lessened because you're in a calorie deficit. So you don't get as strong a signal from the food you're eating to grow muscle. But what you're doing when you're cutting is you're relying on the training to provide a stimulus to at least retain the muscle that you've already built. Okay. In the best possible scenario, when you're cutting, you may even gain some muscle mass due to a very strong muscular stimulus from the training. So now I've put into context where I see the stimulus for muscle growth coming from. It's from both food and also from training. That's the way I like to visualize it. And that's the way I like to explain it. It helps to make sense 
when we're talking about recomposition in a moment. But before that, I want to talk to you about some common problems associated with the typical traditional bulk cut cycles, which is still a good idea, by the way. There's nothing wrong with bulking and cutting. The problem with bulking is that it can mask progress. This is a really important point. Um, bulking is an easy way to mask your progress. What happens when you bulk? Your body adds water, glycogen, body fat, and increased size. All things which cause your lifts to go up. So you have a situation where you've bulked, you've increased your strength, your leverages have gotten better, so you're lifting more, you're lifting for more reps because your glycogen has improved, so you have more endurance. So all of a sudden, you are in a situation where, by all accounts, it looks like you're gaining muscle. However, let's say you have done things in a less than optimal way. Let's say you gained weight too fast. Let's say the actual anabolic stimulus from training wasn't really that good. Let's say you just weren't providing your muscles with enough of the right type of stimulus for them to grow. Let's say you were training with very low repetitions. Let's say if you were doing like a strength-based routine. Let's say you were doing something like a power building routine where maybe you don't have the best genetics. So you were wasting a lot of your recovery on strength work and you don't have the genetics to put on a lot of size with compromised hypertrophy work. So you were half-assing it, one foot in the strength train, one foot in the muscle train because you're a power builder and you're a special snowflake who wants to invent some magical concept and try and gain mass. So you have a situation where, okay, you've bulked. Let's say you've gained 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, whatever. But your training has been less than optimal for hypertrophy. And on top of that, let's say you don't have the best genetics. So let's say to gain muscle, you have to push every possible lever to gain that muscle. Your training has to be only directed to hypertrophy, but instead what you're doing is you're trying to do power building because you want the best of both worlds. And so your hypertrophic stimulus is less than ideal. So in that situation, you think you're going along great. It's been eight months, it's been 10 months, it's been a year. You're bulking, you're getting bigger, your lifts are getting strong. You're like, ah, oh, this is going well. But perhaps what's been happening is the bulk, the increased glycogen, the water, the body fat, all that kind of stuff has actually just masked your progress. And sure, you've gained some strength. You may have gained a small amount of muscle, but when you diet back down, if you ever do, because some of these guys never do, if you diet back down, you might be very disappointed with the mass you've gained. So you can run into these situations, which people do all the time. They go, ah, oh, man, I bulked so much, and then I cut, and I didn't gain anything. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, my bulking was too fast. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I didn't cut very well. But the bottom line is they messed up somewhere. And this is a problem with the traditional bulking cutting cycles. Something goes wrong. And it's such a long time frame. You don't really know what's going wrong. And what ends up happening is you, once you've come back to the same body fat you were when you started, you're sorely disappointed. Happens all the time. It's the very reason why a lot of you are sat here watching YouTube because it's happened to you and you want to know how not to do that the next time. So bulking can mask your progress. It gives you this false sense of security and it becomes a problem when you have things like ineffective power building or minimalistic training strategies. 
or you just have not the best genetics. So you need to be completely focused on one endeavor, which I think probably describes a lot of us. So neither power building or minimalistic training prioritize maximum muscle stimulus. They're sort of feet in two camps. The minimalistic guy says, I want balance, but I want hypertrophy. The power building guy says, yeah, I want to be strong. I don't want to be jacked. What happens is you have less than full stimulus. And that can be a problem if you don't have the best genetics, the bulking masks your progress. All of a sudden you've gained 20 pounds. You've actually gained hardly any muscle, not worth it. So there is a problem there when it comes to traditional bulking cutting cycles. Now, one last thing I'll say on that topic. I think a lot of these strategies like minimalistic training and power building and in a bulk, they can work very well up to a point. I think it's fine. It's a fine strategy for beginners, early intermediates, great. If you're at the point where maybe at a maximum, let's say you're deadlifting four plates, you're squatting three, you're benching two. Great, cool, fantastic. Do your power building, crack on, you know, come up with these special terms. Maybe next time it'll be body lifting or rather than power building. Maybe that's the thing we could, we can make up some more terms for you guys. Fine. Do all that. Great. Do it. Love it. Have a great time. You're a unique, special snowflake until it starts to matter, which is usually about late stage intermediate, mid intermediate time. You hit a wall at that point. Like I mentioned in a recent video at that point, your training has to become a lot tighter and a lot more focused. You don't have the room to mess around with these inefficient strategies. You have to pick a lane. Okay. Odds are, if you're sat here, listening to YouTube, you probably don't have elite tier genetics. Nick Walker is not going to be sat listening to my channel. You guys have average genetics. And if you're trying to excel in a certain area, you need to be hundred percent focused in the area, be a power builder. Okay. Go for it. Cool. All you like, be a minimalistic trainer be a hard gainer, whatever you want to do, right? And that'll be absolutely great until you reach a mediocre level of development. So either you're not very strong or you're reasonably strong, but you're fat. You're not getting the best of both worlds. When you actually want to start taking things seriously, then pick a lane. So some problems with the traditional bulking cutting cycles. Now let's talk a bit about who this training is actually for. I think common thinking is training is for noobs. It's for people who come back from a layoff and also people who are either new to drugs or have recently escalated their drug use. That's what people commonly say. I think that's wrong. I think pretty much anyone can recomp. And I see this all the time in my clients. We also see this in research very robustly. So it's false to say that only those three categories of people can see recomposition robustly. Everyone can. Now, I think who it's not for recomposition is certainly not for the very skinny and underweight beginner. You guys need to bulk. Okay. You guys need to bulk. If you're 130 pound male bulk, there is no recomposition at 130 pounds. It's going to get you to your goal physique at all. Also, if you're very fat, if you're obese cut. So for those two extreme ends of the spectrum, bulking and cutting is more applicable in terms of who should be doing the recomp. I think it's good for mostly everyone, but specifically, I think if you're happy with your overall size, 
it's not a bad idea. If you don't want to get any smaller, or if trying to get smaller consistently causes you to hit a wall. Take me, for example. Most of my life, I walked around between 95 to 100 kilos. Even as a kid, I was 15 years old and I was 95 kilos, right? So pretty much my entire adult life has been spent 95 to 100. Now, a few years ago, I decided to trim down, to cut down. And so nowadays, I walk around mostly 80 to 85. Now, that in and of itself is quite a big deal. If I try to drop down below 80, there is a strong rebound with my body. It's just not worth it for me. That's the zone where my body just doesn't want to be that small. I, my body wants me to be a bit heavier. Ideally, my body wants me to be anywhere between 85 to 95 kilos. So for that type of person, recomposition might be something which is worth looking into. I think it's ideal for people who gravitate towards these high body weights and where getting even a little bit smaller could be a struggle. So that's who I would aim this at. I think there's probably one more thing that I want to discuss, and that is calories. While I don't track calories most of the time, there is an issue with calories when it comes to cutting, and it can be problematic with a lot of people. You have such a thing as metabolic slowdown when you're cutting. So research shows that your metabolism, your TDE, could slow down anywhere up to about 600 calories. That is calories you're losing from the thermic effect of food, perhaps calories you're losing from NEAT, perhaps calories you're losing from just your body slowing down over time. So up to 600 calories. Now that's quite a lot. Let's put some numbers on that. So my current maintenance is about 2,800 calories. That's roughly what I eat to maintain my body weight. Now, if I was to go on a cut, so let's say I drop down to 2,300 calories, within a few weeks, and I know this because I know my body, within a few weeks, that calorie deficit would be mitigated by my body. My NEAT would go down. My metabolism would slow down. I have a very adaptive metabolism. So all of a sudden, I may need to pull back further, 2,000. Generally, when I'm bulking at the peak bulk, I can go as high as 4,500 calories. When I'm cutting, my calories can be as low as 1,500, even less. For my contest in 2018, I was eating 1,200 calories for a large portion of the few weeks before the show on top of cardio, on top of training, it happens. So you have the situation where in traditional bulking cutting cycles, cutting can be problematic, especially for people like me who have generally lower metabolisms, larger appetites, whose body naturally gravitates towards higher body weights. And then the opposite problem would be for people who don't actually enjoy bulking that much. For those people, it's the same thing. If they have an adaptive metabolism, the amount of calories they need to eat at the top end could be astronomical because their body upregulates energy, upregulates metabolism, and mitigates those extra calories. So you have the situation where the body is very adaptive at the extreme ends, either gaining weight or losing weight. It adapts downwards when you're losing weight, it adapts upwards when you're gaining weight. That's not necessarily a reason in and of itself not to bulk a cut. What I'm saying is when you are on a recomposition diet, you're not being exposed to any of that. Your metabolism should stay in a relatively healthy place without there being this massive need to out-eat the bulk or out-diet the cut. You don't have those metabolic shifts. If anything, you get to eat more food over time, but at a reasonable amount, which is pretty cool. I think most people would enjoy that. Most people would like the simplicity which comes from that. So quite a lot 
said in this first part. Hopefully that sort of set the scene for my thoughts around recomposition. I'm just going to end with saying I have a number of clients who have done this successfully over the last year or so. Usually these guys are on the heavier side and they want to get bigger and stronger and they are capable of training very hard and very long. They have a great work ethic. So for me, that is a perfect profile for a guy who could recomposition. I have a number of guys on the books right now who are any over between 220 to 250 pounds. They are excellent lifters, as in they train hard, they're strong, and they're not afraid to just lift and go for it. Some of these guys are training six days a week, and they're able to be disciplined with their food as long as their food isn't cut down. So these guys are on maybe three and a half thousand calories a day, just consistently maintaining their weight, which is plenty of food. Still making good choices, but eating in a way where they don't have to struggle with 2,500 calories, 2,400 calories, 2,200 calories, and they can just chill at 3,500 calories and lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. So you really leverage the fact that these guys are animals. They can train hard. I've also done this very successfully with women. There is a lot to be said for putting a female on maintenance calories and adding in a lot of very effective training and finding the right kind of training that they respond to. You will see magical things if you are a female bodybuilder looking to recomposition, hit maintenance and just be very consistent with your food and then just train harder and get better. It's not a strategy which is as well accepted as bulking and cutting, but in my experience with that of my clients, it is extremely valuable, extremely powerful. Now, in parts two and part three, I'm going to go over the training because I think there's a lot to be said in that area. I've already covered a little bit of it, so that'll give you a bit of a flavor for what's to happen. And also the diet, which I think is also very important when it comes to this. And I want to talk about the relative importance of either one. For my money, I think the training is probably more important when it comes to delivering that stimulus because as i said at the beginning you don't have the anabolic stimulus of extra food the training is a large part of what drives this change to a better body composition more muscle and less fat but anyway all that to come in parts two and part three drop me a note down below let me know your thoughts so far what are your experiences with bulking cutting or with recomposition and uh, let's get some discussion going all right guys